You're listening to Tap into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio, or perhaps just a few days behind on your podcast listening, Time of the Live broadcast just so happened to be the last day of July in the year of 2022. It is the 31st, meaning, hey, it's August tomorrow. This year is super flying by, and yet, Whenever I stop and think about the politics of the time, 
I can't help but feel like it's dragging on and on because at this point, it does feel like Joe Biden has been installed in the top office now for far longer than it actually has been. Just the amount of damage. I guess when you're breaking that many negative records, it seems like it should take longer to do it. Anyway, do have some bad news to share. Uh, I want to make sure that... Uh, you guys are aware. Uh, it's certainly not very happy about this breaking news. We have lost an NBA legend. Uh, Bill Russell has passed on. He was 88 years old at the time of his passing. And uh, certainly certainly uh, one of the guys that you still could kind of look up to uh, back when professional athletes still conducted themselves in a fashion that, well, was less than exemplifying the thug life, I guess is the best way to put it. It was the expectation as opposed to the exception to the rule that it is now. Also, uh, breaking news just a little while ago, uh, Star Trek actress, actress, pronunciation being important on radio, uh, Michelle Knuckles. Uh, played the original Ohura in the original series along with our good friend William Shatner as Captain Kirk and Leonard Nimoy as Mr. Spock. Well, she has passed away now at the age of 89. So two folks that really, really played some significant roles in being a positive influence on a lot of Americans. Uh, we have lost so their stars have uh, went away, but they will not be forgotten. Uh, also, in breaking news, uh, not so breaking, but uh, evidently word is now that Pope Francis is saying that he's thinking about retiring. It seems uh, a strange thing at this point, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Joe Manchin uh, continues to take heat for his decision to abandon the American public and the people of West Virginia and side with the Democratic Party and move us closer to both Build Back Better and the Green New Deal, which of course means the destruction of America as a shining example of liberty and freedom. Uh, granted, it's not the immediate effect, but it is certainly one of the expected effects down the road. Uh, funny thing, though, folks are still asking him about whether or not he's going to, uh, you know, back Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. for a second term as the presumed president of the United States. Uh, he's still refusing to confirm if he will or not. Uh, with all that being said, though, it is Sunday and uh, we have re-emerged with the Sunday afternoon conversation with Ron Edwards. So, if you'll allow me to indulge, here's part one of that conversation. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as is always the case at this time of day, this time of the week, it's time for my Sunday afternoon conversation with the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience. Yes, that's right. Once again, we are graced and uh, just, I personally overjoyed to be joined by Ron Edwards. Ron, again, thank you for joining us. As always, I appreciate the fact that you're blocking out uh, a little bit of your weekend to sit down and talk to me so that we can bring a little bit of information and uh, hopefully a little bit of entertainment as well to all the listeners out there. How are you today, my friend? 
Excellent. And uh, I, I, as always, uh, I greatly appreciate the fact that you even want me on your show. I don't take it for granted. And uh, for your listening audience, hello, women and men. I can only name two folks. <laughs> and so glad to be with you once again on uh, Tapping to the Truth and uh, Godspeed. All right. Uh, we we will occasionally accept and children, but uh, with the understanding oh, yeah. there's only two uh, genders of them as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of the crazy uh, going on from the left, uh, for every bit of the social issues the left seems to struggle with, uh, probably more damaging to us in an immediate fashion is the fact that Eh, socialists really aren't that good economically either. Uh, we got the news this past Thursday officially that we've had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, uh, which has, as you're well aware, Ron, and most of the audience, I'm sure, has been the layman's definition of a recession forever. Uh, of course, we kind of knew what to expect since uh, the White House had been trying to put out a redefining of recession for a couple of weeks now. They got really serious uh, the week before, and of course, they're still out there spinning. That's not the technical definition. That's not the technical definition. Ron, you and I both know it wouldn't have mattered if there was small positive growth to GDP, the economy is still a wreck. It's a shambles. And ultimately, a recession or non-recession by technical measures doesn't matter much to the American people. It's how much we can afford, how far our dollars are going, and uh, if there's any positive momentum moving in the right direction. I'm not seeing it. How about you? Uh, well, because you're not seeing it because I think you have pretty good eyesight and there's nothing to see, sir. Uh, and it's plain and simple. Um, the, the worst thing out of all of this is the fact that the Biden administration and every Democrat you can name, with the permission of every rhino who's roaming about uh, doing nothing good, uh, they're, they're chomping away at the uh, middle class. And they're doing that by these economic policies that are continuing to whittle away at the number of uh, middle class stores, uh, you know, small businesses, gas stations, uh, mom and pop stores, which I love, restaurants, things of that nature. And I'm not talking about the Golden Arches garbage houses, but I mean real where the real food is served at these wonderful family owned restaurants that are disappearing throughout the republic. And it's due to uh, one thing, um, policies of the Biden regime it's just not Biden. It's many others as well. But uh, it's culminating under his administration. And if not corralled, we will have a completely destroyed U.S. economy. And of course, that that is their goal. And of course, the their friends in, in the media them, and themselves, they're going to say that this is not a recession. It, it reminds me, Tim, of something I learned from my dad a long time ago. He said, Ron, when it comes to politics and even sometimes in the family, it's not what's done, but who's do who, who does it or it's not what's going on, but it's rather what's going on um, based upon who is in charge. And so what you have here is a horrible situation, but because they are Democrats, it's Katie bar the door and let's call it something else. And the thing is, Tim, this is so insulting. This is mentally insulting to the American people. They think that all of us, there are some that are that dumb, but they think that all of us 
are so dumb that all they have to do is change the definition of what you're of the pain you're feeling. And if we can tell you pain doesn't hurt, it will not hurt. Despite the fact if we bust your your thumb off with a with a mallet, if we tell you it's not hurting, then it's not. If we tell you that uh, it was uh, up to forty nine percent of small businesses and could all the way go to sixty five percent of small businesses being decapitated by the end of the uh, Biden regime. Uh, I don't know what to say other than because they say it isn't a problem. It isn't. Right. They really think we're that, that stupid. And I think that is why, as I've said before, Tim, and I will continue to say until we do it, we have to just rise up and act like they are the enemies that they really are. These people are our enemies. They are no Xi Jinping is no greater enemy of you and I than the people in the White House right now or the majority of people in Congress. Our only friends basically are I could name you five in Congress. I could name you five, sometimes six in the in the Supreme Court. Other than that, on the federal level, I don't I don't think there are any more friends. We are on our own. And we have to act like it. And we got a man and woman up and push back. Because if we don't, sir, we're, we're going to have nothing. And yeah. see, and I love you- talking with you about it. I love talking on my own show about it. But, sir, it, the time for action is now. While we still have the recognized liberties to do so before they totally clamp down. Right. Uh, where you said that we'll have nothing. We've been told not that long ago from folks over at the World Economic Forum that we will have nothing and we'll like it. That yeah. seems to be the idea. Uh, yeah. And to make no mistake about it, uh, like Ron said, this is intentional. This is part of how they transition us to the economy they want, which means them on the very top having literally everything and the rest of us begging for scraps. How many friends we have at this point is irrelevant because we need each other. We need yeah. to be on the ground, uh, making the phone calls, fighting figuratively now and preparing in the event that it becomes something more than a battle of ideas. Because make no mistake, there are those that want to see this country destroyed as she exists. goes back to Cloward and Piven. They know that uh, the destruction of this country comes from within. They cannot destroy us from outside. We unify too quickly then. But when we tear each other apart, that's when we're most vulnerable. And uh, as Ron said, Xi Jinping, the entirety of the Chinese Communist Party, they are, make no mistake about it, a very serious threat. They are our enemy. But we do have enemies in our own house right now that are a much greater threat to us that we need to take care of first. Otherwise, we cannot stand opposed to China. So, again, Ron, absolutely uh, hit her out of the ballpark with that one. And uh, the economy is one of those weapons that they're using. There's no doubt about that. Uh, what kind of bothers me more than anything, I know that you and I have had conversations where we've been very cautious. We pointed out that Senator Joe Manchin uh, has been somebody standing uh, in that gap, uh, preventing the Democrats from completely annihilating our economy. He probably at least gave a stay of execution to our economy when he stopped Build Back Better. But now, uh, as you said, he's not our friend. He can't be trusted. And as I said, that as long as his interests fall in line, 
and the people of West Virginia were first on his mind. He would have little choice but to stand opposed. Now he's betrayed the people of West Virginia. He's betrayed the nation. He has now jumped on board where the dollars may not be quite as high as before. This Recession Reduction Act of 2022, great name, by the way, is still nothing more than a rebranding of a merger a Build Back Better proposal that Biden couldn't get through with a little bit of the uh, additional uh, Green New Deal in there just for more socialist uh, meat and potatoes, although most of them are vegan, so I guess mostly potatoes, right? Uh, <laughs> it's it's insanity, and we have been betrayed by this, and we see some Republicans now leaning towards siding with this too. Uh, what was your initial reaction when you got the news that uh, Joe Manchin finally did what we were kind of expecting and that other shoe finally dropped? You know something, Tim? Yeah, I, I kind of expected it, but there was a, a part of me that was holding out a bit of hope because sometimes Joe Manchin has done the right thing. You know, it's not that often. He is a Democrat after all, but every once in a while he said the common sense thing. And uh, he, I, I assumed that though he was a liberal or leftist, that he wasn't an America hater like most Democrats. And you can be a Democrat. There have been Democrats through the years like a Kennedy or whatever, but they're not America haters like the ones of today, like both Biden and company. And I thought that he had enough, just a, just a teeny bit of a moral a decency enough just to hold the line on this because this is very a very dangerous piece of, of legislation uh, of course uh, dangerous to you and i we the, the people of this country and it is designed to ruin our lives it is designed to, to ruin our way of life uh that's the only way i can put it sir and uh it was kind of, it was very disappointing i like i said i held out a hope for mr manchin i said well you know he he seems to be sometimes uh, a decent guy and 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 well-meaning. Um, he doesn't. He's not a Bernie Sanders. He's not a Joe Biden. Uh, so, uh, I, and you know, this is one of those rare cases, Tim. I just have to come front and center and just recognize that I was wrong. Wine sniffle hurt. This is one of those rare cases, sir. And oh boy. And so. <laughs> We just can't trust any Democrat. I'm sorry. We, they're, they're all just dirtbags set out to uh, ruin our country and um, fool us along the way, like Mr. Manchin uh, did. Though I I did say that it, 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 we both agreed that there's a possibility that he would do this, but I thought maybe he wouldn't. And so um, I was foolish, and, and I admit it. Well, no wrong. I don't think there's anything foolish about uh, trying to give somebody the benefit of the doubt for as long as you can. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to take somebody at face value. And you do have to kind of wait till they prove who they are. Uh, and again, there's nothing wrong with being hopeful that there were still some people that still saw the dangers of what uncontrolled spending can do to a country and what uh, transitioning away from our safe, uh, abundant, and relatively economic carbon-based energy uh, in our infrastructure has right now. To, to see all but that see, go away. But uh, see, Tim, that's the thing. He knows that. He has spoken of those things. Yeah. He's, that's from, where... he's from West Virginia. I mean, coal is exactly. king in West Virginia. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Yeah. And, 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 you know, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just, that's where I said, I, I, I realized that I, I was foolish because I have discernment. I kind of knew that it would probably go that way in the long run, but like I wanted to publicly put a, a positive spin on it and pray that the, the positive words would, uh, be what holds fast in, in this particular situation. And that's why I say I was foolish. Because deep down in my gut, I mean, let's face it, we knew, Tim. We knew. <laughs> well, you know, again, uh, Joe Manchin is one of those older Democrats. He comes from a part of the country where a lot of folks voted Democrat because they loved the country and they just thought, mistakenly so, but thought that the Democrats were actually – uh, were everything that they claimed to be. They're for poor Americans. They wanted to see. And so he still comes from that time frame where some of those folks that stuck a D at the end of their name genuinely just had a disagreement with people like you and me about what the role of government should be and allowing the government uh, to, to how much interaction in our daily lives, how much interference with the economy. And with a true blue dog Democrat, I think you and I both feel like we can get along with somebody like that. We're just going to disagree with them on certain social policies more so than the economic. And in this case, it looks like Manchin got one uh, a big dollar, but still just one uh, pork belly kind of uh, extra cash for the state of West Virginia. But for most of this, it's going to push up governmental spending, uh, as Donald Trump would say, hugely. And uh, there's a lot of room for raising taxes. Both of those things are horrific things to do when you are in an inflationary cycle. And whether it's a recessionary cycle or not, doesn't matter. We definitely are during an inflationary one. And th this is something that's only going to make both of those aspects worse. And as you pointed out already, Joe Manchin had made that point in opposing the original Build Back Better in the first place. I don't think there's enough in here to have changed it, so I'm certainly hoping at the very least that the people of West Virginia will hold him accountable as they should. Amen to that. Amen to that. And uh, this is, um, I, I, it really boils my blood to a point because we know the danger of this bill. We know that next step, that monstrous step, you know, that monstrosity step of socialism that this bill takes, and it further strengthens the Green Cross, as Gorbachev said in his book, and this is the orchestrated effort through the Green Cross, now called the Green Movement, to literally destroy our economy and uh, carve away our way of life. So um, it is what it is, and we have to figure out, uh, through God's grace, how to defeat it. If not, hey, we're done. Yeah. All right. I wanted to real quick before we uh, slide into taking a break and then coming back and continuing our discussion on the seven pillars, which I had promised forever and finally got around to starting last week. And dadgummit, Ron, we're going to keep doing it at least for a little while. <laughs> uh, we saw another bill uh, move pretty swiftly, got some Republican support, too, involving our uh, our basically – we're talking about our computer chip industry, this bill that's supposed to provide a lot of money to kind of reshore is the term they're using, bring it back into the U.S. But there's a lot of holes in this bill, as it was promised, and I'm coming across it feeling very negative. I feel like it goes right along with our rebranded Build Back Better, a.k.a. the 
recession reduction, uh, which is obviously not something that uh, is even remotely going to happen in that bill. Uh, I'm curious about your thoughts about it, uh, if you've even had a chance to really dig into it, because I know with everything going on, sometimes it takes a minute to start digging into stuff. Have, have you had a chance first to even look at it uh, pretty closely? Not not deeply, but the little bit that I do know, that I do can speak straight on about, is the fact that this bill, this, this bill does not enhance, in my opinion, the ability of America, the United States, that is, to be a major chip uh, producer. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't. I, I, I believe that it still enhances the Chinese ability. If you, if you really want, if you're really serious about en- enhancing or building America's ability to be competitive in that market, what you do, boys and girls, what you do is you simply lower taxes and you, by God's, for, through God's grace, do not not, 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 like they're threatening. You don't raise the corporate tax. In fact, you reduce it and you reduce harmful regulations. You make um, the United States a better playing field for economic development than our competitors. It's that simple, boys and girls. I mean, the, the, the little girls and boys in romper room could understand that. But these people in, in, in D.C. and elsewhere continue to call solution, non-solutions solutions. Now, I didn't go much beyond that, but um, that that's the basic uh, take I have on this bill from the limited knowledge of it that I have. Well, you know what, Ron? It's a pretty good take because you're not off on any of it. Uh, I still haven't gotten through the whole thing. Uh, it's pretty dense and, uh, you know, there's yeah. only so many yeah. hours in the day. But from what I've gotten through to this point, Uh, It is, in fact, us taking a ridiculously large amount of American taxpayer dollars and handing it over uh, to uh, major corporations that Mm -hmm. do not need to be subsidized on this issue. However, the uh, governmental encouragement of changing the tax status and uh, providing some incentives that way, as you mentioned, would be the perfect solution. But uh, we're going to throw that money at these folks. And there is still nothing in there that requires them to do much more than open a few facilities for a limited amount of time, meaning that they would be free uh, within two years' time to up and move everything that they had put in place uh, to mainland China if they wanted to, Uh, which between you and me, Ron, I don't know how much longer Taiwan's going to be free. And uh, once that happens, one of two things occurs then. Either the Taiwanese who are right now making those cutting-edge uh, computer chips, they're either going to burn all that infrastructure down so that we get the next best, not the, the top number one generation stuff, but that second level. Who's making the most of those? Oh, yeah, that would be China. Or they leave it alone, and China gets that technology the same way they get every other t- uh, technological advancement they have. They stole it. And in either case, these companies can then take U.S. taxpayer dollars, build a few buildings, offer a few small jobs for a short period of time, strangely enough, uh, would only be in place roughly to about time for the uh, next election cycle, not our midterms, but the next presidential cycle to be done. And then they'd be free to pull up roots and move to China if they want. There's nothing in the bill that would stop them from that. And well, here's, go ahead. Here's, here's the possibility, and I know you're going to say, Ron, you're, you're, you're in dreamland. But here's the thing. If conservative Republicans are elected in, in enough numbers in the, in the midterms, 
here's what can happen. Since the the Congress is supposed to be uh, more in charge of these economic issues anyway, they could make sure that there are better incentives, real incentives, for the companies to stay right. producing to, to re, for their producing to remain here in the United States. That's all that has to happen. And then it would be secured on a more permanent basis if we get uh, a, a decent president elected who would agree on these things. So we have to keep these issues in the forefront because Republicans are famous for getting sleep, uh, you know, going to sleep at the wheel, too, right. even with good intentions. So it, it, it just we have to stay on it. Get good Republicans in office. I'm sorry, conservatives in in office. Then make sure that that is an issue to make this into a long term deal and to encourage U.S. companies. There are small ones around the country. There, I think they're about to build a huge facility in Ohio, a chip factory outside of Columbus, I believe, and some other good stuff like that. I mean. Encourage them to, to make it to the point where it would be less expensive for them to remain in the United States than to go into China and build a new facility. Whatever, just beat whatever offer China uh, throws up. All right, and that in is where the key lies, Ron. We have got to get good people in office, and quite frankly, there's still enough stuff in here. A lot of this is hidden in and amongst all the minutia. There's no way they've read the entirety of the bill. This bill, even though what they're promoting sounds great in theory, because, yes, we need to reestablish our dominance in scientific movement. We need industry to return uh, that would make Silicon Valley look like a, a relic of the past. And we need to put it in America's heartland so, honest to goodness, hardworking Americans can benefit from both the jobs and the advancement. But we need to have a true policy in place that makes this about putting America back on top rather than uh, some temporary um, little uh, political showmanship, which this bill seems to be more than anything. Of course, also a lot of spending. Ron, let's go ahead and take that mid-hour break. And then when we return, we are talking a lot about the economy so uh, free market economics, one of your seven pillars, will be our pillar of the day as we discuss that. Uh, everybody stay right where you're at. I'll be right back with Ron Edwards. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Hey, Joe. My name's Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband. Thank you. Thank you, George. I'm so tired of trickle-down economics. I, I never found that trickle-down on top of my head very much. I was listed, I was had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had not make a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think he should make me any The United States is under greater threat today than the colonists were from King George. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook being brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. King George wanted to maintain British control over the colonies and imposed a 3% tax upon the colonists 
along with other restrictions. But when one observes our dilemma today, the much greater enemies from within are seeking to literally destroy every good aspect of our republic. The enemies from within clearly understand that without a high moral standard, our blessings of liberty and the recognition of our inalienable rights would diminish to the point that we would be saddled with a mob rule democracy that is guaranteed to implode under the chaotic onslaught of Marxist, Leninist, dogmatic demoralization and increasing domination. The stealing of our wealth through unconstitutional maneuverings and legal edicts by the government is part of the overall diabolical plans to turn the United States into literally a third world nation of powerless, defeated Americans that no longer impede their globalist endeavors. My fellow sovereign Americans, it is time to send the Declaration of Independence to the rogue federal government. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Dear Lord, you made many, many people politicians. I realize it's no big thrill to be vice president, but the pay is not bad either. All day long just twiddling my thumbs If I were the VP man I wouldn't have to work hard I would go to funeral, shake a couple hands And then I'm done If I was the second in command I would be a very idle man (laughs) 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 The VP I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. I got no thrill on Capitol Hill. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for staying with me through that very brief break. Uh, It is July the 31st, 2022, time of the live broadcast. So that's just for the benefit of those of you who may be listening to rebroadcast on terrestrial radio or perhaps just a few days behind on your podcast listening, uh, or maybe you're listening on the last frequency, which more often than not, we get aired a day later there as well. 
Uh, regardless, that's just so you know, in case some huge breaking news has occurred and you're scratching your head wondering, why is Tim not talking about that? Well, that'd be the reason. Want to remind everybody that A.J. Rice's new book, The Woking Dead, is indeed out and available right now. You can go directly to Amazon if you like, or you can visit thewokingdeadbook.com, and it will also direct you to uh, a great place to pick up a copy of The Woking Dead from A.J. Rice. Top-notch book release. You need a copy of this, absolutely, without doubt, without question. I know I say that a lot uh, in regards to several of the uh, books that uh, guests come on to talk about, but this one uh, is in a league of its own, I assure you. If you are even the least bit slightly right of center, you need a copy of this in your personal library, and you need to share it with others. Also, before we get back to my conversation with Ron, I want to remind you that summer still has a little ways to go yet. And it's never too early to be preparing for next summer. So you might want to take a look at Blue Coolers. Now, going to put a link in the show description for those of you listening to the podcast. It will take you there and it will let them know that I'm the one that sent you. That way, you can take a peek at uh, the possibility of getting your 10-day ice at uh, half the price. And uh, can also help to support the show in the same time. So that's a pretty good thing. If you're listening on radio and you don't have said show description in front of you, visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. Once you land on the homepage, scroll past recent guests, and then you will see banners and uh, buttons and things of that nature. You'll see one for blue coolers. Uh, click on it. That'll work just the same. Check out all the different items they have available, the combos they have, the bundles they have, the accessories, and even the Blue 72 uh, personal bug out backpack. Uh, something that uh, they have available both as an individual and, and uh, in a combo as well. Just go visit Blue Cooler right now. I'll tell you, you will not be sorry. Now, Back to the second part of the Sunday afternoon conversation with Ron Edwards. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for staying with me through that very brief break. It is, of course, my honor and privilege to continue the tradition here on Tap into the Truth of the Sunday afternoon conversation with Ron Edwards. And uh, for those of you that do not know, Ron Edwards has been doing the Edwards Notebook for quite a while, so you have probably been listening to him at some point or another, maybe not even realizing that this is the same Ron Edwards, but uh, he indeed is. His uh, talk show, The Ron Edwards American Experience, can be heard all over this country and on international markets. He is a phenomenal patriot, a true disciple of Christ, and a man on a mission to try to make sure that we as fellow conservatives, know that we're not alone. Ron, again, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, before we get back into anything else, please let everybody know where they can find your work. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Tim. Uh, you can reach me via the Ron Edwards American Experience, which is heard live Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I guess that everyone can just go to kstartalkradio.com. That is kstartalkradio.com. And for more information, simply go to my website, theronedwards.com. That's theronedwards.com. All right. Thank you, sir, for that. Thank you. Uh, now, obviously, 
one of the things that you built your original uh, crusade into the political side of things on was to defend and to re-educate on the concept of the seven pillars of society. You laid those out as being media, business, a.k.a. fresh uh, free market economies, uh, government, family, education, arts and entertainment, and religion. And uh, we uh, talked a little bit about the media last week and wanted to get, once again, kind of the same thing. We'll start off with your definition and how it interplays as being a pillar of society. And then we'll just kind of spring off the conversation from there. But um, given uh, economics is such a major factor with what's going on right now, uh, of course, obviously, all these pillars kind of interact to build things up in a real way. And some of them interact with each other. But the idea of a free market economy is something that uh, really we struggle with to some degree because we have uh, socialists trying to redefine it. We have uh, a lot of so-called journalists trying to help them to redefine it. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at how business can be uh, productive and to uh, be that tide that raises all boats, uh, the perfect scenario, you really have to see how positive free market economics has been. There's been no factor greater in the increasing of true liberty anywhere around the world. Uh, but uh, let's start with your uh, reason for defining it as one of the seven pillars, and uh, we'll kind of go from there, Ron. Why free market ec economics, particularly when you talk business? Well, the reason why I believe that uh, free market economics slash business, uh, you can't have good business without free market economics, is very important uh, in society. Because if you go all the way back to, uh, man, to the time of Moses, um, you'll find that uh, actually before that, you go all the way back to Abraham and you see how independent and free men like Abraham were, who were blessed by God, and they were known for their business acumen, as was Solomon and, and many other su successful individuals. They weren't just uh, men spreading the gospel and things of that nature. No, they were men and women just like you and I, and they, 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 God wanted us to work. God intends us, in, intends for us to be successful and very prosperous. And I'm not a prosperity preacher or anything like that. However, God wants us to be very prosperous. Why? And he wants us to be free to have the ability to be creative, to be innovative. See, God is a creator. And when he created man in his image, he created us to also create. And one of the best ways that mankind has the ability to create, since we cannot, you know, look at darkness and call a light, but we can, through our actions in earth, in this physical realm, create blessings through economic activity and be a blessing for his people and fund the gospel. We can take care of our families at a better level than, than any other time in history on, for the average individual. And I do believe that God had intended this principle to be more um, prominent throughout the societies of the earth long before it occurred in the United States. I really believe that, and we don't have time to get into why I, I believe that. If I studied Rome and things of that nature and what happened after the collapse of Rome, how we went into 500 years, man went to sleep, and all progress stopped. 
but getting back to your question, sir, um, it is very important. And unfortunately, the reason why I started looking into this is because I looked at the body of Christ here in the United States of America, and I look at other groups, um, and, and I remember what Jesus said when he said that the people of the world are more wise than the people of the church. Because the people of the church have become very socialistic in their thinking, and they are self-defeating. They're afraid out of many factors. I don't want to get into all of that right now. But they, they, they have this, oh, you, you can't be rich. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're too worldly, worldly. Well, free market economics was brought forth as a blessing for God's people to prosper and to set an example in the marketplace. And not just be a greedy hoarder, as, as Franklin D. Roosevelt called Americans who were just trying to survive in the 1930s and, and he took their gold. But he wanted us to amass wealth because one side is going to have it or the other. And since God created man to, uh, to be creators and builders, that doesn't mean that the people that are against God and are against us, it doesn't mean that they're not going to build and try to uh, do things in society as well. So it might, might as well be us in the driver's seat and influencing society for good. And when I studied, the, the, you, you go into the, um, industri the beginning of the Industrial Age and the, uh, the time of the Baroque period. Uh, that was when man was beginning to wake back up and start uh, thinking about being creative again and, and started growing. And uh, you had great ministers who thought the same way, men like Wesley and, and, and others, who understood that it takes prosperity as a tool. See, anything, anything can be used in a good way or a bad way, just like a gun. And in the same thing for, for uh, economics. And America, the United States of America, was set up in a, in a near-perfect situation based on biblical principles, based upon equal opportunity. Just like we have an equal opportunity to make it into heaven, we should have an equal opportunity to create, to prosper, to take care of our families, to fund the, 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 the true churches, and so on and so on and so on, and you, you would have a good society. And so it's, it's prosperity and free market economics, my friend, is nothing more than another tool for greatness. And um, that, that should be our goal. I mean, this is not something that the church or people of the church should be afraid of. They should approach it as a blessing and deal with it in an honorable way, according to God's uh, Ten Commandments. Actually, there's 620 total if you really want to get <laughs> get into it, but the yeah. 10 basic commandments. Um, and, and we'd have a much, like I said, a much greater society. Right. But, but this principle is so ignored by the church. Uh, and, and, and it's funny how the preachers, are, they, they, they make sure they have theirs, their right. Mercedes. You go to a black church and, and I don't care where you go. They've got that in, in the worst neighborhoods. Raggedy, raggedy, ragaday, as they say, but they've got their Mercedes, and they'll, in some cases, they have the chain, chain, chain link fence around the parking lot 
and they're prosperous, but the parishioners are very poor and they remain so because yeah. the preachers do, who are supposed to be their messengers don't teach them these 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 pillars and and uh, leave them behind. Well, in a lot of cases, Ron, uh, those individuals, they're probably not practicing free market economics either. They're probably practicing a little personal corruption. Uh, although when you when you talk about this, the image of this uh, individual that was robbed during a live streaming event where they stole, what was it, millions of dollars worth of jewelry from the guy that he was wearing on stage. Uh, that I think is probably a pretty good example of exactly what you're talking about. But more to your point about being a blessing for others, I'm fortunate enough to work for a company that is still a small company, but it has national reach, and we have a product that uh, is pretty good at establishing reoccurring business. Mm. And uh, for a long, a long time, I got the opportunity to go to tr to some of our trade shows. And I saw something that was very unique there uh, that wasn't happening at a lot of the other booths. When we would be having conversations with potential new customers, some of our current customers would come over and would literally take over the sales pitch by virtue of telling them how good this product was and how well it sold for them. And that, that does tend to make you pretty good. Uh, well, I mean, feel pretty good about what you're hearing. And, you know, you, you know, not just everybody gets that opportunity, but then some of the folks I heard came up to the company president who would usually be working these trade shows too. And so profusely thanked them. They thanked him so frequently. And I saw this, more than once, I, I cannot quantify exactly how many times, but it was several. They literally thanked us for being the one product that kept folks coming back, that allowed them to keep their lights turned on, that allowed them to keep food on their table uh, during uh, the last economic downturn that occurred because we sell a product that still draws folks in. And, you know, when you see that, when you hear that, when you see the look in their faces and hear the sincerity in your voice, that's something that not a lot of folks think about when they show up to their job every day. The fact that they are providing that type of a blessing to somebody else. And in many cases, people that they may never meet. But free market economies is what allows that to happen. And mm -hmm. you don't get that if somebody's just trying to be greedy. But you have to understand that within the world of business, especially small business, you create ecosystems and uh, just like in nature, every part of that ecosystem is important. And if it gets out of balance, greed, like the Biden administration likes to blame on everything right now. Oh, it's you greedy business people. You greedy business people. No, business folks aren't greedy. They're just trying to keep their lights turned on. And in many cases, that struggle is something that's just made worse every time government regulations come into play. That's true. And, uh, you know, it's called gimme economics when you talk about those ministers who have so much. Gimme economics. Give me your money and uh, pay your tithes to me and uh, you'll be blessed. And if anyone studies the word, they'll understand that, um, well, if you pay your tithes, you may get blessed or you may not, depending on what you're giving, giving your tithes to. You have to be wise in that as well. But to, to your point, Tim, I, I like the example you gave with, with the company you work for. I mean, that is a perfect, I couldn't have, uh, man, asked for a better example. I mean, that is that is near perfect. And, uh, but see, that kind of attitude 
comes out of a free market economics. Because first of all, in a free market economics, you have to do a good job. You don't have a big government forcing you to take this or, 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 or buy that or whatever. You have a complete choice because I'm sure there are competitors in the marketplace, this, that, and the other. And you're going to try to do a, a real – a sincere company is going to try to do the best that they can, they can do at, at the end of the day and, and, and build their, a strong rec- reputation. And uh, they're going to do just fine in a true free market uh, economic situation. But if we keep playing around the way we are now in, in this in situation here in the United States, we will not have a free market economic situation. In fact, right now, I would call it a mongrel economy at yeah. best. Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, crony capitalism as opposed to free markets, and that's dangerous in and of itself. But, Ron, it, it's always felt to me and I don't think I'm alone in this. I've heard other people say similar things. It's always felt to me that what truly made America great uh, were first and foremost her people and that we were primarily a people of faith. But uh, beyond that, and compared to the rest of the world, we chose a system that allowed economies, uh, the, the economy to be a driver for individuals' uh, personal wealth. We didn't rely on a caste system. You know, if you have a caste system set up, then you're born into that uh, station and you're never going to rise out of it. In America, you can be born dirt poor. You can become you can come here as an immigrant or you can do whatever. But as long as you're willing to put in the work, the time, the effort, you can elevate your status, which is where socialism works in the opposite direction. It tries to drag people to a lower status so that we can all be equal But at the end of the day, it's that fact that here you can achieve more because in a free market society, you have that opportunity. You can set yourself up. Even people that are pursuing illegal (laughs) industries, if you can be uh, in crime, you still have to be a good business person to stay in your criminal enterprise for very long. So that's still the opportunities there. But you made the point just a little while ago, and it struck that chord about socialism with their efforts to have guaranteed outcomes. And you were talking about we should have equal opportunities to get into heaven. It's like, well, technically, that is correct. We have an equal opportunity. We just don't have a guaranteed outcome. And that should be the way uh, that everything else in our life is, too. Uh, How would you like to finish up your thoughts on this particular pillar, sir? Basically, that this is should be seen as a blessing and that we have to, um, you know, a lot of people, I think, especially Christians, need to do a little studying when it comes to free market economics. Uh, you might study folks like, um, oh, gosh, I can't think of his name. He was one of the, the great teachers of it. He was uh, still alive when Reagan was in office. Milton Friedman. Yeah. He truly understand. He wrote the Bible. I can't remember the book, but he wrote a what I would call the free market Bible. He tr- truly understood uh, about free market economics. And um, if you couple that with just studying the principles of liberty that were born in the Old Testament of the Bible, th- those things together will really cement 
in the into the minds of the of the people an appreciation for what we have had in this country and what a blessing it is. And also, Tim, the free market economics policy is an equal uh, an equalizer in another sense. Let's say, for example, I'm a black guy. Well, I am. Um, and there's Mr. Skidensky that may not like that may not like me or something for for some reason a radio station or whatever. Well, because there's so many opportunities all over the place. Frederick Douglass taught us this this example through his life. Rather than go 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 to Nutsville, become bitter and stupid stupid and nail yourself into that one spot, because of free market economics, you can choose to be around a lot of places you can seek other opportunities or you can stay there and fight your way through and and seek opportunities right there in their face i've I've done that i've been there done that and um you know that it 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 creates an attitude of less bitterness if you really focus on the, the the blessing of free market economics as opposed to the bitterness of some fool that may not like you for whatever reason. And so we have to become adults, free market uh, adults, um, as we function in this society and, and, and get over, you know, stop majoring in the minors. Like I say, I, I, you know, and then they come with this, this, they try to find a racist under every um, rock or behind every doorknob. I try to find an opportunity behind every door and in front of every door too. And if we did more of that, we would be a nation too busy to hate. Yeah. We'd be overcomers. How about that? I, I like that, sir. I like that a lot. I mean, I, I've often uh, tried to use the word play uh, on the broadcast whenever we talk about microaggressions. It's like if you have to worry about microaggressions, you haven't had to face a real issue. Uh, it's that simple. There are some macroaggressions out there. Uh, that's when you need to be serious. Ron, as always, thank you so much for uh, being with me today. I do greatly appreciate it. I think I'm probably going to steal your uh, your term there, uh, the uh, free market adults uh, thing. I think I'm going to make that part of my regular vernacular with your permission. Cool. And uh, I'd certainly look forward to our next chance to get together, sir. Keep up all the great work you're doing. And uh, again, Thank you so much. I, I just, I can't thank you enough. You just, all phenomenal work, and you're very generous with your time, and that uh, is also something that truly speaks to your character and how dedicated to the fight you are. So just, again, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, hey, it goes both ways. You didn't have to invite me. You could have said, boy, that Ron Edwards, yikes. And you and you don't. And I appreciate the fact that uh, you think that I'm worth being on your show, which is a very good one, by the way. Well, thank, you. thank you. All right. Well, until we get together again, my friend, uh, Godspeed. And uh, we will do it again, uh, hopefully next week. Maybe we'll sp- uh, speak a little sooner. Absolutely. Uh, Godspeed to you and your family as well. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience, uh, that is Mr. Ron Edwards. And uh, we'll pick up uh, with the rest of the show right after this brief break. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go,
from a blue state plan Taught to praise the little man Told that unions saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and... You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Now that the crowd has finally settled down, hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. I do hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, and I'm coming to you from Roan County, Tennessee. And yes, I used the whole county because I've got 
a unique set of ties to every part of it. Currently living in Rockwood, but working in Oliver Springs and uh, hanging out in Harriman and Kingston quite a bit. And, you know, just uh, we're all over the place. By we, I mean mostly me. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, obviously, Time of the Live broadcast uh, for the benefit of those of you listening to the rebroadcast on terrestrial radio, or perhaps you're just a, a few days behind on your podcast listening. It is July 31st, 2022. This is the second hour of the live broadcast. And I wanted to start it off. Uh, since we kind of mentioned Frederick Douglass for just a moment uh, back in the first hour during my Sunday afternoon conversation with Ron Edwards, I want to give you a Frederick Douglass quote. Liberty is meaningless where the right to utter one's thoughts and opinions has ceased to exist. That of all rights is the dread of tyrants. It is the right which they first of all strike down. Now, the reason that kind of comes to mind in particular is because I've recently served a, uh, a short banishment from the realm of YouTube. Not uh, particularly big loss to me in any uh, real fashion. There's uh, a few folks that actually normally listen to the show there that have subscribed to the channel, and, and I thank you for that. And I'm sorry that you guys have missed out. I still encourage you guys to come. If video format is still where you prefer to listen to the show, even though you really don't get too much of a, a video uh, aspect when it comes to this particular show, uh, I would still encourage you to go over to Rumble instead. Uh, just because Rumble's a better place to be for that kind of thing, quite honestly. Uh, but beyond that, it still comes back around to censorship. And I committed the terrible, terrible sin of disinformation uh, in regards to uh, talking about the uh, events of January 6th and uh, also the results of the... Uh, most recent presidential election. And uh, in that conversational points, the fact that certain ideas and theories and beliefs are an actual thing, it seems that even discussing certain topics is just not permitted. Now, I would understand if there was something so dangerous, so egregious that it would be best if we just didn't have folks talking about it. But at a point in time in the history of a nation where such deeply felt divides exist between our people, I think it's more important to have those conversations than to try to squash them. And therefore, I vehemently disagree with the actions of all social media platforms that decide that some topics just should not be broached. I'm not a big fan of white supremacy or Nazi ideology, but I do not see the point in silencing people with those views in an effort to try and protect the weak-minded among us. And in essence, if you honestly believe that you have to squash that kind of discussion out of fear of that information propagating, then it is, in fact, your acknowledgement that you believe a majority of the people that 
participate on your platform are in fact weak-minded. So that should tell you, a purveyor and user of their platforms, a little bit about what they think about you. Social media sometimes can be a dangerous place, but sometimes social media can be a beautiful place. And one of the things that I saw recently, <laughs> I have to say, was kind of a beautiful thing, at least from my opinion. I want to talk to you a little bit about a little bit of a, it kind of started out like it was going to be a Twitter beef, but then it kind of de-escalated all on its own. It involved author, creator of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, J.K. Rowling, and uh, host over at The Daily Wire, uh, commentator, and, of course, documentary filmmaker now, uh, the personality, I guess you could say, behind What is a Woman, Matt Walsh. Now, Matt's a cultural guy who's been around for a bit, and I, I think pretty highly of him. Um, I still prefer some of the other hosts as far as the podcasts are concerned, because it's clear that Matt is more of a writer, and he's got more of that uh, dry, uh, less expressive uh, kind of communication style. And it's not a knock. It's not a criticism. Don't get me wrong. But Matt Walsh has the type of personality when he is giving off content uh, that is on the verbal, the audio platform, he sounds more like what a traditional news anchor should be. Uh, you know, he's just, he, you feel like he's just giving you facts, just giving you facts. And again, that's definitely not a criticism. Uh, it's just some of the other guys are a little more loose and flexible and a little more bias confirming for my days, you know, where I like them to be. So where I very much love reading Matt Walsh's writing. But Matt did a tremendous job with the What is a Woman documentary. And if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend it. But here's the thing. Over on Twitter, this little bit of a spat broke out, and uh, it involved, like I said, JK, and uh, it involved Matt Walsh. And uh, it was kind of uh, funny because it actually started over Macy Gray. Now, if you haven't been following this particular story, and uh, I granted I've been seeing bits and pieces here and there. I have not made a big deal about it here on the show. But Macy Gray, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, is a very talented uh, singer and songwriter. I happen to be an admirer of some of her work. And uh, she basically had made this, uh, this moment where she was caught off guard and was asked to define a woman, essentially. And she gave a definition that involved bodily anatomy, initially. And, of course, then the outrage mob from the left came after her. And then recently, it appears as if Macy Gray had kind of acquiesced. It. She gave in. She just kind of caved under the pressure. And, again, if you're not accustomed to this kind of thing, or if you're not capable of just tuning it off to where it's like, okay, you guys can say whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Uh, then this can be an overwhelming situation and can certainly make you feel like maybe you want to try and respond. Maybe you want to try and diffuse the situation by clarifying. But it really did look like she went and completely caved because she started talking about how being a woman is a vibe. 
And uh, if you, in your heart, feel that it's what you are, then that's what you are, regardless of what anyone else says or thinks. Now, that's a very squishy response. And it was definitely something where it sounds less like she's taking a stand of any kind. Uh, Gray received intense backlash after defining a woman as essentially human beings with boobs and a vagina. Now, that was her original biological definition. She did that during an interview with Pierce Morgan. However, uh, this past Friday, she did a complete uh, reversal on that as she was making an appearance on one of the talk shows over here. Uh, and it's kind of odd that you would see so much pressure put on someone who does not have the type of background that should put her in a situation where how she defines a woman should matter to anybody. Again, Macy Gray is a great artist. She should have influence in the music industry. And in my opinion, she should have a lot more than what she actually seems to have. Because, again, I really like Macy Gray. But uh, this is not one of those topics that you should consider it as anything more than their opinion. And she's entitled to her opinion, as am I entitled to mine, and you're entitled to yours. Now, the difference may be that your opinion is based on how you're feeling in the moment, whereas mine is most likely based on facts and empirical data and uh, information that has been shared. And where my opinion is likely to change is if I find that some of the information I previously had was wrong, whereas it's not going to change based simply on the fact that uh, YouTube says that I can't post for a week or that they're going to cancel my channel. It's not going to change based on the fact that suddenly uh, folks that are supposed to be conservative start attacking me on a social media platform because they didn't like one of the guests that was on or one of the things that one of the guests said. Don't know why I would just randomly pick that as a uh, example. Not that it would ever have happened. Either one of them. Anyway, uh, evolutionary behavioral scientist Gad Sadad decided uh, to drag Walsh into the conversation uh, by saying, quote, Dear Macy Gray, of course, use the actual Twitter uh, uh, handle, which I'm not going to do. Uh, I'm getting a weird vibe tonight. Can you walk me through the process of how I might establish that I'm a woman? Perhaps Matt Walsh can help. Again, he used Matt's proper Twitter uh, handle. And uh, then the Daily Wire host, who is no stranger to outrage and hate from the social media mob, uh, chimed in saying, quote, Sorry, but women who publicly renounce the definition of woman for fear of mean comments from trans activists deserve all the scorn they get. That kind of gutless cowardice is exactly what got us into this position in the first place. So Matt, doing what Matt does, went pretty hard at what Macy Gray did. I mean, that's the kind of terminology that you use that used to be just so harsh. Now it's something that not very many people would even bat an eye at, especially on social media. But he used this terminology 
saying that you're trying to to change the definition of woman for fear of mean comments. They deserve all the scorn they get, but really kicks it here. That kind of gutless cowardice. Now, I'm not going to say Matt's wrong in that. I am going to say that perhaps Macy Gray didn't deserve that much of a uh, of a descriptor so harsh. But I mean, legit, it seems an accurate thing to say, and I, I'm not going to say he's wrong. But it was at that point that J.K. Rawlings decided that she wanted to enter the fray, too, uh, essentially defending Macy Gray to start with, at any rate. And uh, it's important to remember that J.K. herself has been the target of cancellation. See, she's a feminist, and she's a vocal defender of biological sex. She didn't like the way that she thought Matt was being so harsh, I suppose. And I mean, like I said, when I read it, I'm I get a pretty harsh vibe. Say, I don't know that that's necessary to be quite that harsh. But in the grand scheme of things, that's probably uh, one of the nicest ways that anybody from the left has directed messages at him. So uh, if he was wrong in what he was saying, I would probably feel even worse about it. But I can see where there'd be a reaction. Now, J.K.'s reaction here was endless death and rape threats, threats of loss of livelihood, employers targeted, physical harassment, family address posted online with pictures of bomb-making manuals aren't mean comments. If you don't yet understand what happens to women who stand up on this issue, back off. Now, that seems like a pretty good defense, right? Because this is the kind of thing that happens. It's the kind of thing that happened to her. She knows. Matt, never being one to shy away from a tough uh, conversation, uh, responded to that. Shooting back, quote, All of those things, and then some, have happened to me in the last month because of my film. If I had backed down and crumbled to the trans activists, I deserved to be scorned for it. Cowardice is what empowers these people. Nothing will ever improve until people stop caving. Now, I see absolutely nothing inappropriate about that. In fact, he's absolutely right. He also added, quote, I respect the courage you shown on this issue, J.K. Rawlings, using the proper Twitter handle, of course. But many people have simply caved to the demands of trans activists and completely surrendered truth and reality to them. The cowardice, the cowards, are also villains in the story. They need to be held accountable. Rawlings then seemed to, to hold out, at least part of, an olive branch, saying, and your film did a good job exposing the incoherence of gender identity theory, and some of the harms it's done. Many institutions I used to admire have uncritically embraced this dogma, but I reserve my ire for them rather than shouting coward at individual women. So again, J.K. makes her point as well, and I, I see that as being a a reasonable point to make. 
but it doesn't really respond to the true nature of what Matt was saying in this. Because Matt realizes, much as I realize, much as many of you, I'm sure, realize, that it's when we cave into their desires that they're emboldened and they're empowered and that they allow uh, themselves to be granted more power, more authority, to destroy the lives of innocent people who do not deserve it, especially for simply, as Frederick Douglass said, utter their own thoughts and opinions. Now, Walsh still wasn't done. He replied once, uh, one more time here saying that, I agree that they deserve the lion's share of the blank, talking about the institutions. And I have, I'm sorry, and I do have a lot of sympathy for young women in particular who don't have platforms or power and are descended upon by the trans mob. But Macy Gray is a famous singer. Her cave was particularly gratuitous, in my opinion. And you see, then, then a, a, a funny thing happened, a, a strange thing happened. A thing that can only be described as the masses started talking about the conversation. And this is part of why this conversation is so dangerous on the platform. Part of the reason why the platforms want to completely stop certain topics from being broached. Because when other people just see what these folks were talking about, it starts them to thinking. Replying... We got responses from people other than Matt or JK saying things like, perhaps I'm mistaken, but it seems like they're arguing past each other. Don't they have a great deal of common ground? Uh-oh, can't have them thinking that. Not done, though. There were other responses. Both Matt Walsh and J.K. Rollins have shown tremendous courage against the agenda. In the post-truth society of cultural Marxists, are <clears throat> in the post-truth society, the, the cultural Marxists are trying to create the radicals know no boundaries. This is a good conversation between two people fighting the same foe from different angles. Another response. Two adults having an actual discourse on Twitter and being respectful? It's been a while since I've been to such an oasis. Another one said, two heroes. Yet another, this interaction made my day. I respect you both. And yet another, this is the craziest, best timeline. Uh, and this were just a few examples. My point here, this is an example of what Twitter doesn't want to occur on their platform. They do not want us discussing the issue. The same thing on YouTube, the same thing on Facebook, the same thing on every other left-leaning, controlled social media platform that exists. If you want to actually have conversations like that one, you typically have to go someplace like Truth Social or... Clout Hub or MeWe or Getter. You run into kind of the opposite leaning. I also should put Parlor up there amongst those if you want to have that kind of a conversation. You start leaning towards places like Gab and Spreely, 
then the response towards the more leftist point of view starts kind of being uh, more like what you get from Twitter and uh, the other left-leaning ones at the moment. But the point of the matter is, this is a dangerous conversation as far as the political left's concerned. They want to silence because they don't want to have that conversation. And worst of all, they don't want other people seeing, number one, that you can have the conversation and still end up at a, a point where maybe you haven't settled the issue, but that there can still be mutual respect. There's a good many points, I'm going to say. There's a good many points of J.K. Rowling's political belief system that I'm quite certain we would so vehemently disagree about that it might be difficult for us to get along if we were to meet in person. It might be. She had strange ideas about opening up uh, homes to unvetted migrants from parts of the world that are high in terrorist activities. She had strange ideas about a good many other things, and uh, she is full-blown third-wave feminist, so she's probably not going to think very highly of me as just a guy to begin with. But the fact that she does recognize that just because a biological male can suddenly decide, I feel like a woman, therefore I claim to be, and you must not only play along with my delusion, but you must celebrate it with me, she, by virtue of being dedicated and intellectually, uh, and what's a good word, not uh, intellectually honest, but uh, showing a sign of intellectual integrity to those principles of third wave feminism, uh, she's very much against the trans, trans idea that uh, you can just suddenly make that decision for yourself in, in defiance of the biological reality that exists. And that's a starting point. That's a place where we can start to build a not a bridge to, to bind us together for all times, but at least can start to build some level of understanding so that perhaps we can work together on the parts that we agree with. And from that point, all things are possible. You can, at that point, possibly get them to open their minds about other parts of the political belief system and start describing the fact that, yes, perhaps there's plenty of room for the acceptance of migrants, especially from war-torn parts of the country, but maybe we should do a better job of vetting them than what has been done. Maybe we shouldn't continuously pretend as if all cultures are of equal value, because whether you like it or not, they're simply just not. If you have a culture that believes in the sanctity of life and wants to uh, respect everyone, and you put that up against a culture that believes that uh, you should kill anyone that you disagree with, well, then I think from a moral standpoint, there's a pretty strong argument that one of those cultures is better than the other. I know which one I would rather live in, even though that's the one that's going to have the most people in it that I disagree with. I would still rather have America as it exists today, with all these crazy oh, wild lefties running the muck than to live in a place where 100% agree with uh, the uh, 
what the social order should be, but they do it under police state tactics. I want liberty for people. I want us to express ideas. I want us to be the creators that God intended for us to be, as Ron was talking about back in the first hour. And if you missed the first hour of today's broadcast, I recommend you go track down the podcast somewhere. It still comes down to that very basic, very fundamental notion that we do, as human beings, have more in common than we have differences. And it's that discovery that is the most dangerous thing for political leftists in this country today and around the world for that matter. Because if they can't keep us divided, they can't keep pushing their agenda. And they really want to push their agenda. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stay right where you're at. I'm going to go ahead and take the mid-hour break just a smidge early for this hour for a change. How about that? And uh, since we were talking about communication and respect for one another, uh, let's go ahead and dub that as... The left's kryptonite, and that makes it most appropriate for this liner going into the break. Stay where you're at. I'll be right back. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go. You know the you know the thing. <laughs> Joe Brandon, I agree. <laughs> I mean, he has made clear that. Uh, 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 No, no. I promise you, the president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. The tragedy that is New York City is a reflection of the horrendous moral depravity that is the United States today. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the original opening brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. The Founding Fathers warned sovereign Americans long ago that in order for the United States to remain free, she must recognize and maintain the goal of high moral standards. They never stated we must be perfect because that's impossible but simply pass good moral standards down to each succeeding generation, along with ongoing courses on liberty, which is freedom with responsibility. Unfortunately, neither liberty nor high moral standards have been taught or encouraged, especially in recent months. For example, in New York City, in many subway cars, there are numerous mostly black females twerking their bare bottoms and engaging in other adult activities. A 16-year-old thug outdueled and choked a police officer and was released from custody hours later. The United States is currently imploding upon its bloated, fat, immoral self and is becoming a self-imposed cesspool of filthy cities, open borders, freedom for criminals, and misery for law-abiding sovereign Americans. Wake up, America. It really doesn't have to be this way. I'm Ron Edwards. Brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. I, I do not view abortion as a, uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy. And I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. 
Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. In the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, this is Tom Caldwell, innocent January 6th defendant and proud Navy veteran. You're listening to the Voice of Reasons. It is not a dream, ladies and gentlemen. Someone is watching you, uh, especially if you're anybody like me. Every time the, uh, the Democrats have control of the institutions of government, uh, the NSA is not even uh, particularly coy about it. They're, they're definitely watching me, and uh, they don't like a lot of what I have to say because, you know, I'm a terrible that's that's what we have to talk about all right uh you know we've been hearing a lot lately at least i have and there's been plenty of information out there about what we're referring to as the god gap uh we've been talking for some time about how religion uh, a belief in god is particularly the christian god has not only been under attack, but we've seen major declines in attendance in churches. We've seen uh, the media institutions and governmental institutions trying hard to to give Christianity a black eye. It's become literally uh, okay, hip, even not just approved, but encouraged to be abusive towards and to, to commit acts of hatred towards Christianity, uh, it's it's terrible things. And one of the most recent uh, things where this has been proven to be working against the political left is the fact that we are seeing more uh, Americans of color joining the ranks of the Republican Party. And as it turns out, some of this is based on economics, where they finally come around to realize that the Democratic uh, plans for the economy, while they claim not to be socialist, and, and some of them are actually claiming that they're socialist Democrats, that these paths lead to ruin, and that's that's had a major uh, part in this conversion uh, of some certain Americans that used to be safely in the Democratic camp. But as it turns out through polling data, it looks like the second biggest reason has to do with a belief in God. 
You see, we've talked about for a very long time on this program, and I know you've heard it in other places too, this idea that it is so surprising that so many Hispanic communities would vote so uh, Democratic so frequently. Because when it comes down to it, the Democratic Party has been pushing for a long time to eliminate the idea that faith should be part of your daily life within uh, your interactions out in the world. They've been trying to push this idea that, yeah, yeah, secretly you can have any belief you want, but, uh, you know, just don't let anybody else know about it. The whole time they're telling us that that's not an acceptable viewpoint when it comes to something like homosexuality. Uh, if you're part of the LGBT community, not only should you be uh, out there and loud and proud, but you should be marching in the streets even uh, during times of a local health emergency, uh, because there was one of these crazy fetish parade things going on today, time of the live broadcast on Sunday, uh, in San Francisco, despite the fact that last week San Francisco declared a health emergency over monkeypox. It seems counterintuitive. How serious are you about this? Now, don't get me wrong, there's a big difference between tolerance of something and being out of the closet compared to literally being out in the streets trying to make it everybody else's business. Uh, there are things you don't have to hide, but you don't have to just throw it up in everybody's face either. Attacked. Concern. You know, be being respectful of others. If you want people to respect you, typically you have to be respectful of them too. If you start out being anything but respectful, you're probably not going to get very much respect thrown in your direction. And just saying. Well, the reason I bring this up, despite these other things that are going on, is the fact that a pretty massive hit piece against Christianity was thrown out this past week on uh, uh, CNN.com. John Blake, supposedly doing analysis, uh, is the guy who gets the byline. And uh, it was a major thing here that definitely attacks the idea and the notion of Christianity here in America. The title of the piece was An Imposter Christianity is Threatening American Democracy. Now, again, this is where I have to stop and say uh, American democracy is not actually democracy. We have a republic. We have adapted certain democratic principles in the operation of our republic, but we're not a democracy, guys. Please stop saying that. Uh, educate our children correctly. Now, the whole notion of using an imposter Christianity, in quotes, is they were trying to pretend as if if you believe in something other than how they define Christianity, and I'm sorry, the, these people, not John Blake, not anybody working for CNN, they don't get to define Christianity. There are multiple, multiple divisions within the faith. There are, we call them denominations, and there is some part of the doctrine that we either disagree with or agree with more strongly and want more adherence to than another group of Christians, and then poof, you have a new denomination. That doesn't make them any more or any less Christianity. There are certain groups that hide behind the idea of calling themselves Christians that really aren't, but that's not really what they were going for here. 
the idea here is they were just trying to pretend like Christianity doesn't belong at all. I'm going to read you some excerpts from the piece. I'm not going to read the whole piece. First of all, it's way too long. I could have dedicated the entire program today to this if we were going to do that, because I'm not going to be able to react very much. But uh, starting out, talks about three men, eyes closed and heads bowed, pray before a rough-hewn wooden cross. Another man wraps his arms around a massive Bible pressed against his chest like a shield. All throughout the crowd, people wave, Jesus saves banners, and pump their fists towards the sky. At first glance, these snapshots look like scenes from an outdoor church rally. But this event wasn't a revival. It was what some call a Christian revolt. These were the photos of people who stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of 2021 during an attempt to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. The insurrection marked the first time many Americans realized the U.S. is facing a bludgeoning white Christian nationalist movement. This movement uses Christian language to cloak sexism and the hostility to black people and non-white immigrants in its quest to create a white Christian America. Now, does this sound like the kind of thing that's going to um, going to go very far in depth and explain Christianity in and of itself? Does it sound like it's going to spend much time talking about how Christianity is an important philosophy, even if you don't believe in it as a religion? It's an important philosophy in the founding of this nation, that its principles are in fact what this nation was founded on, and that the majority of the prosperity that this nation has managed to enjoy is indeed a side effect of of upholding and adhering to those Christian principles? Because if it sounds like there's any pro-Christian bias in this piece, from what I just read to you, I'm going to ask you to go back and relearn some of the ideas behind critical thinking. The writer goes on to talk about a report uh, from a team of clergy and scholars and activists basically saying that uh, that the ideology that was used to bolster, justify, and intensify the attack on the U.S. Capitol was this white nationalist Christianity. This idea that white Christian nationalist beliefs have infiltrated the religious mainstream so thoroughly that virtually any conservative Christian pastor who tries to challenge its ideology risks their career. That doesn't seem right. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have seen way more uh, churches that claim to be Christian denominations that are pro current leftist ideology statements, even when it's in direct defiance of church doctrine. When you see signs up like, uh, Jesus had two dads and he turned out okay, 
that's not even close to the same thing, guys, and it's clearly a punch in the eye against doctrine. Nobody seems to understand that there was, in fact, <sighs> there is, in fact, no commandment to hate sinners. The commandment is to hate sin. And the reason you hate sinners, uh, you, the reason you hate sin is because you want to save the sinners. But to call this an imposter Christianity is a bit much. Because if you wanted to make the point that people were trying to use religious doctrine to actually violate those doctrines, that would be one thing. But to try to use fake information to create this false narrative, that's something else entirely. One of the sections that I want to share a little more directly from you uh, with, where he talks about that a belief that the U.S. was founded as a Christian nation. Now, we were founded by Christians with the hope that we would always adhere to Christian beliefs, but we set ourselves apart to be welcoming of all religions. Now, at that point in time, they did primarily have different denominations of Christianity in mind to be more tolerant of one another, because let's face it, there were different denominations of Christianities that had been fighting throughout Europe as to which denomination was the correct one. But I digress. Here's a little more directly from the piece. One of the banners spotted at the January 6th insurrection was a replica of the American flag with the caption, Jesus is my savior, Trump is my president. Erasing the line separating piety from politics is the key characteristic of white Christian nationalism. Many want to reduce or erase the separation of church and state, say those who study the movement. And who exactly was that? Now, to be fair, in the piece, he does cite some specific individuals, and I'm sure he's referring back to them. But to reduce and erase the separation of church and state is not about creating a white nationalist Christian nation. It's about returning the nation back to its intent. There is no separation of church and state established in the Constitution. There is simply the statement that Congress will not pass a law to establish one national religion here. It doesn't say that you can't practice your religion freely and openly and publicly, and not that it can't be part of your principles that you use to make determinations when you are a duly elected representative of the people at any part of the government. Anyway, back to the actual piece. One of the most popular beliefs among white Christian nationalists is that the U.S. was founded as a Christian nation. The founding fathers were all orthodox, evangelistic Christians, and God had chosen the U.S. for a special role in history. Well, I will tell you, I do believe that God did, in fact, choose the United States for a very special role in history, and I think we have fulfilled that role in many ways, and we still have more to do. But for anybody that studies history at all, it is hard to make the assertion that the Founding Fathers were all orthodox or evangelical. 
And in fact, several of them uh, were barely even Christian at all. Benjamin Franklin uh, is notoriously not, but he still, after studying the principles for which the Christian members of the founding father groups wanted to base the foundings of this country on, had to acknowledge that as a philosophy, it's a pretty good way to conduct yourself, to interact with others, and to conduct business. Our founding fathers were not orthodox evangelicals. Far from it. In fact, the way the term's used today, it would not even apply to the evangelical Christians of today. So this is a statement that's intended to mislead, and it's a statement that only folks on the left who are not actively engaged in faith would have any room to believe or buy into. You must first know nothing about our founding fathers. You must first know nothing about the founding of the nation. And you must not have any fundamental uh, background on understanding Christianity. I'll continue with the piece a bit further in this section. He says, these beliefs are growing among Christians. According to a survey last year done by the Barna Group, a company that conducts surveys about faith and culture for communities of faith and nonprofits, the group found that an increasing number of American Christians believe strongly that the U.S. is a Christian nation, has, has not oppressed minorities, and has been chosen by God to lead the world. But the notion that the U.S. was founded as a Christian nation is bad history and bad theology. According to a sociologist at Yale and the co-author of the book The Flag and the Cross, White Christian Nationalism and the Threat to American Democracy. A great title, by the way, there, Philip. Philip Gorski is the name of the sociologist, by the way. So, uh, Philip Philip says that it's a half-truth, a mythological version of American history. Some founding fathers did view the founding of the nation through a biblical, uh, through, excuse me, did view the founding of the nation through a biblical lens. Every state constitution contains a reference to God or the divine, but many did not and virtually none of them could be classified as evangelical Christians. Okay, fine, so you're acknowledging a simple truth. It's a truth that most historians are willing to acknowledge and that most Christians are willing to acknowledge, but to sit here and say that there is just mythology here? I'm sorry. You, the, the, ah. the reason there's a growing belief in Christians that, that the U.S. was blessed by God and was ordained to exist by God is because when you break down the most simple aspects of our history, there is no way that a group of farmers could have overpowered a legitimate world superpower at the time, even with some help from the French, without divine intervention. It's just not possible. 
when people make references, actual historical references to the founding of this nation as being a Christian nation, it is a reference to her people and to her intent to honor Christian values. Principles that the nation is based on. It's not saying that, well, we're a Christian country and we should always be a Christian country and there's no room for anything else. That's so absurd. See, I, I told you there was so much to this that I wouldn't have enough time, and I, I haven't even gotten to a secondary point here, and I'm nearly out of time. The next thing that they criticize is a belief in a warrior Christ. Again, he keeps trying to make this attachment to Christian viewpoints devoutly and honestly held by folks that were at the protests on January 6th that broke into a riot. Again, completely unacceptable behavior. But videos from the January 6th attack, back to quoting from the piece, videos from the January 6th attack shows a chaotic, tear-gas-soaked scene at the Capitol that looked more like a medieval battle. Insurrectionists punched police officers, used flagpoles and spears, and smashed officers' faces against doors while the mob chanted, Fight for Trump. The attack left five people dead. No, it didn't. And nearly 140 law enforcement officers injured. That part may very well be true. But only one person actually died at the riot on January 6th. Only one. Ashley Babbitt. This this idea, they're still trying to stretch. People who died days later of things that uh, have not even been uh, appropriate appropriately connected to be uh, causal to anything that happened at the riot uh, are still being counted. And it is a big stretch just to get to five. The fact that there was even one, there was one too many. So don't get me wrong. Anyway, the piece continues. The incongruity of people carrying Jesus saves signs while joining a mob whose members are pummeling police officers lead to an obvious question. How can white Christian nationalists who claim to follow Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who renounced violence in the Gospels, support a violent insurrection? Well, you see, because we don't just follow Jesus, we also believe in God. And uh, there is this one occasion that I can think of where Jesus himself, who renounced violence as much as possible, very often, also took a whip to the money changers at the temple. See, every now and then when you ask the question, what would Jesus do? The answer has to be flip over some tables and whip some folks because sometimes it's necessary. The question is, again, meant to target people who do not have a fundamental understanding of actual gospel. To understand the truth in the doctrine of the churches. It's meant to sound, again, to those people who don't have that understanding, who have a very cursory one, that the Prince of Peace would have never advocated violence under any circumstance. Now, this not an occasion where violence should have occurred. It's not the best way to go about the business, and unfortunately it has fueled the left with more ammunition to use against conservatives who actually do move forward with the peaceful transition of power. But sometimes 
the peaceful transition of power is not the appropriate step to take because the results had been manipulated. If you have a significant number of people who believe that, then it's not that unreasonable to expect that they're going to take that next step. And again, it's important to remember it's not Christianity that takes us to this place. It's not even our founding fathers, although I'm quite certain our founding fathers, they would not recognize the government as it exists today because it's literally become everything they warned us against. And it's become everything that they stood opposed to when they first brought about the revolution against England. It's not a question of if somebody is Christian enough or if somebody believes a certain thing enough. This is still a hit piece on Christianity, and it's a hit piece designed to attack anybody who claims to be Christian, but claims that uh, Jesus was a wild man. I'm just, I keep thinking to Doug Giles, and you can check out any of his visits on this show. There comes a time, there, there's a time for all things, there's a season for everything, and unfortunately, Sometimes the time comes where action must be taken that goes beyond the use of words. To continue to use media, to promote propaganda, and to try to make things far worse than they actually were, that's way more dangerous in my mind because it keeps everyone on the other side riled up and it gives the folks that are buying into your false narratives more reason to believe that you're right and that the rest of us are wrong. And as long as that continues, then that divide between us is only going to deepen. So once again, we circle back to the first part of this hour and talking about why social media needs us to be divided, needs us not to broach the topics or the conversation. How many Americans right now believe five people died on January 6th during the riots? Far more than should. And I don't know if the guy who wrote this believes that or not. I hope that he's just misinformed and does believe it rather than is intentionally lying. But there are plenty of people that continue to spread that lie that do know better. Try to remember when we deal with our fellow Americans, my fellow conservatives, that sometimes when we're talking to these folks on the left, they simply don't have all the facts. Now, we can only get them to believe the ones that are willing to, to be open-minded, but it's not our part to, to start the revolution openly. It's our part to try and kickstart a revolution intellectually and then let the truth go from there. That's got to be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much, uh, as always, for being here. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, most importantly, use your brain if you'd really like to tap into the truth and uh oh yeah one last thing for joseph robinette biden jr this is tim tap